This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 62 degrees at 9.04. The forecast today, sunshine high in the upper 70s. New York State Police are turning to the public to try to help piece together what happened to a woman whose body was found in a remote area in the town of Morris in Otsego County. The troopers say the remains are those of an adult woman. She was short in stature, believed to have stood between 4 feet 9 and 4 feet 11 inches tall. Several items of clothing were recovered by the authorities. Investigators say the woman had been wearing Adidas brand jogging pants, a pink tank top, along with a lightweight black jacket with pink zipper, and Carolina brand boots. Also found near the remains were an adjustable silver ring with a small heart mounted on it, as well as a gold chain necklace that had medium to heavy heavy links. The news release provides no specifics regarding the location where the remains were found, when the body and clothing were located, or by whom. Anyone with information is encouraged to contact the New York State Police at 607-561-7400. Leading national health officials are saying COVID-19 guidelines, many of which were put into place at the start of the pandemic, can be relaxed as a majority of people have some degree of immunity thanks to vaccines or being exposed to the coronavirus in one or more of its variants. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says people who are exposed to someone with COVID no longer need to quarantine and people no longer have to socially distance six feet apart. Authorities do still recommend face masks be worn in areas where community transmission is listed as high risk or if a person is at high risk due to underlying health issues for a negative outcome from getting COVID-19. Right now, the latest CDC community transmission map lists Broome and Tioga counties as medium transmission list, while Shenango, Cortland, Delaware, and Tompkins counties are listed low. In Pennsylvania, Bradford, Susquehanna, and Wayne counties are in the northern tier are all listed as medium transmission mission risk. There still can be state and even local requirements pertaining to COVID-19, which many health officials concede is here to stay, but can be managed. There's been no update on COVID guidelines published on the New York State Department of Health websites. WMBF First News Time 906. A major milestone has been reached at the long-awaited Imperium 3 New York lithium-ion battery factory in Endicott. Imperium 3 New York has announced it is officially beginning commercial production activities in the USA-made lithium-ion battery plant. Imperium's factory is located in the Huron campus in Endicott, formerly IBM. IM3NY posted on Twitter yesterday, quote, We're happy to announce IM3NY is pressing the on button and starting commercial cell production activities at the first U.S.-owned lithium-ion battery cell manufacturing plant located in Endicott, New York. Company officials were not immediately available to elaborate on the latest developments in launching the production line. It's been nearly five years since Governor Andrew Cuomo visited Endicott to announce plans for construction of a $140 million gigafactory that would manufacture lithium-ion batteries at the Huron campus. WMBF News Time 907. Another development, it has been a long time coming, and the path has been fraught with failed ideas, changes in plans, and unforeseen setbacks. But finally, what's been called the worst eyesore in Broome County appears to be closing in on its next chapter as a place for some people to come home and others to shop and work. 
Syracuse developer Matthew Paulus, who previously transformed the old Ansco camera factory building on Emma Street in Binghamton into a complex with 100 apartments and commercial space, says the first residents of apartments being developed in the former Endicott Johnson Shoe Company Victory Building off Lester Avenue in Johnson City could move in early next year. A model unit for the Victory Lofts Apartments has just been completed in the massive building that eventually will have 156 residential units. Over the years, the building has been used as a storage space for vehicles and other items before falling completely idle for many years. Other development plans, including an idea for senior housing, have fallen through for various reasons. The building was acquired by Paulus Development for $1.6 million in March 2020. Preliminary construction work on the $40 million project started last summer. And the city of Binghamton plans to apply for $10 million in New York State funding through the Downtown Revitalization Initiative to improve the Clinton Street Business District, bring in commercial development, and potentially create more affordable housing. There is an online survey to collect input from residents. That's online at the city website. Officials also say the city will help plan, the survey will help planners develop a strategy for the future of the corridor. There will also be a public workshop in the First Ward Senior Center September 14th at 6 p.m. WMBF News Time 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast. Sunny today, a high in the upper 70s. Clear tonight, a low in the upper 40s. Sunny tomorrow, high near 80. And it's a good couple nights for uh, viewing the Perseid meteor shower. They have viewing programs up at Copernic tonight, by the way. Mostly sunny on Sunday with a high in the low 80s. Monday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms. And a high in the mid to upper 70s. And Tuesday, 40% chance of afternoon showers and thunderstorms. Once again, partly sunny and a high in the mid-70s. Currently, it is 62 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Friday morning coming up. Your favorite talk show of all time. Make sure you set your DVR. Or if somebody broke your DVR, get the VCR out of the closet. And enjoy, because you want to record it for posterity and be able to also play it for your children and maybe your grandkids. The talk show is coming right up here on News Radio WNBF. Joined now by Nick Tamaris, Honda Sales Manager with the Miller Auto Team on the Parkway in Vestal. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? Super. How are things? Excellent, excellent. I'll tell you, I pulled in this morning, and it's not only an incredibly beautiful day out there, the sun's out. We got a truckload of cars out there, and some are sold, some are available, so I'm very excited. We uh, have our guys here, Jason and Ryan, going through all the cars seeing whose cars go to what and uh, what cars that we have available. So, exciting day. I'm actually actually very, very happy today. Well, that's good when when the delivery comes, and then I imagine you and your colleagues enjoy uh, calling or maybe emailing some of the people who have been uh, patiently waiting for their new vehicle. Exactly right. We have folks, they come in, pick out the car they want. We show them the colors, make sure they have all the options and all the features they want. We have them on order. When the car comes in, we call them up, get their insurance all set up. We handle all the paperwork for them. 
get the car cleaned, ready, get a full tank of gas in there for them, and get them all set. And matter of fact, we even have some cars that came in that are still available. We even have a CRV. We have a pilot. We have a passport that came in. So I'm very excited. So everybody's on the phone calling their folks, seeing um, uh, if we can match them up to some folks out there. What color is the pilot? <laughs> the pilot, we have an, a red one that's outside there right now. We have a Sonic one coming in. And we even have a really cool color out there, too, called Obsidian. Tell uh, me about the- that. That sounds interesting. I don't know what, what what's it like. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of these some of the uh, car colors, the way they're marketed now, sometimes I have to look online to see what they really look like. You, you do. you got some interesting names out there, that's for sure. Like one of them we have out there, this, this is a great one. We have a Pilot. It's a sport edition. It's in Sonic, which is that bluish-grayish color, which is very popular. So, yeah, there's some really cool colors out there. And they got some cool names for them, too. Yeah. Well, so what you seem to be saying is, say, somebody, somebody who is listening right now at 914 in the morning, if they stop by Miller Motors on the parkway right across from Binghamton University, that it's conceivable that they could be driving out the new vehicle by the end of the day. Is that is that true? Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, come on in. We uh, the the neat thing is we got uh, the office staff here to get all the paperwork ready. We got the guys here to get their cars all cleaned up. And the most phenomenal thing is the salespeople. They'll go over all the features with you, teach you how to use your CarPlay, your Android Auto, how to start the car up, and all the little fun little things uh, that that go with having a a brand new car. All right. Well, Miller Motors open today till 6. Also, for people who are busy during the week, there's an opportunity for people to look for vehicles at Miller Motors on Saturdays, too. Exactly right. So Saturdays, we're here till 4 o'clock, and today we'll be here till 6 o'clock. And then Monday, we start it all over again. Uh, we come in at Monday, 9 o'clock, and we're here till 7 o'clock on Monday. Well, sounds like a, a great start to the weekend. You've got a delivery, the new cars. People will be smiling. It's a it's a great great day. Plus, plus it's a pleasant day weather wise. Look at the weather forecast for today in the next few days. This is my kind of summer weather. Exactly right. It's not too hot, not too cold out there, uh, and it's the sun's out, so you can really see some of the metallic paint and the different colors really dance on the cars. So it really is a nice day to come out, look at the cars, even take some of them out for a test drive, too. Oh, my gosh. Tempting. Tempting. Too bad I have to write news stories all day here. Otherwise, I'd be out there looking at that pilot. Oh, it's so hey, we, tempting. We will be here for you. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for you. We'll be here for you. <laughs> it's like, it's like who's, who's that kid who straggled in at 5.59? Come on, it's, <laughs> it's Friday. But, yeah, I'm sure you or one of your colleagues would still accommodate me. Oh, absolutely. Come on in. That's our job. That's all <laughs> we do is we, we, uh, we get folks in our cars and and uh, make them uh, happy Miller Honda customers, absolutely. Nick Tamaris from the Miller Auto Team on the Parkway in Vestal. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day, and have a great weekend. Hey, and Bob, and you too, and thank you very much. Take care. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. News Radio 
Friday the 12th. Feeling lucky? If you do, you can call us now. On WNBF at 607-772-1290, and we will talk about it, whatever that is, unless it's about some guy's laptop. Certainly not able to talk about anybody's laptop. That's, as they say, against HIPAA. 607-772-1290. You can also send an email, bob at wnbf.com. We're living in interesting times. Interesting times indeed. With um, now the event, events happening fast and furious. It's like a movie. Fast and furious. D.C. Or fast and furious. Palm Beach. <laughs> Sorry. At myself, but um, yeah, maybe uh, by the end of the day they'll release some more detailed information. Now that Donald Trump is suggesting it should be released, not just suggesting, encouraging. So we uh, we here in the studio, and when I say we here in the studio, that means your host. I encourage. I encourage the federal government to release all that information. Release it all. Don't uh, don't do what they often do, um, and just you know randomly redact certain things. The best you know what happens, and this happens with so many government documents, whether it's local government, state, federal. They think they're doing you some sort of favor. By finally giving you some documents, things you might have been waiting weeks or months to, to obtain, so you get a big envelope full of documents or maybe the email with the attachment, and you say, oh, good, good, finally, finally we can get some answers about whatever story we've been working on, and you start paging through, and it's redacted, all the good parts. Yes, and then he said, and then said, you know, can't redact these things. Come on, man. Let it, uh, let it all loose. Uh, again, the headline, Trump calls for immediate release of Mar-a-Lago warrants. The former president is calling for the immediate release of the federal warrant the FBI used to search his Florida estate hours after the Justice Department had asked a court to unseal the warrant with Attorney General Merrick Garland citing the substantial public interest in the matter. And you have to admit, there is a substantial public interest in this matter. I truly believe that the American people want to see everything associated with this case so we can make our own determination. So I encourage President Trump to release whatever information he has. I encourage Merrick Garland to release whatever information he has and let the chips fall where they may. Let the American people judge the situation. And that's the way it is Friday, August 12, 2012, in 2012, 2022. Eh. Anyway, let's take calls and see what the people have to say about stuff. Oh, we're going to start first on something else with Dave in Binghamton. Good morning. We're going to focus on some local things. Good morning, David. Good morning. And I, I like you were trying to do military time, but kind of didn't work. 
No, I was trying to do the dates. No, I, I just was off. I was off on the year by just a, a decade, as they say yeah. in the calendar business: close but no cigars. Exactly, and kind of also kind of like what I was calling about, where news was close, but definitely missed the cigar by a long shot. Well, I guess not a long shot next door, but um, one of my I, I, I know. Um, you know, research can be a little difficult at times, but and but when they get when, when reporters get updates or actual facts from uh, viewers or something like that, I find it interesting that they won't correct articles anymore or anything else because I, I don't know why they didn't. So what I'm calling about is so there was a WBNG article in regard to what's happening at the Parkway Plaza. And after an interview with the town supervisor, they said that Joanne was moving to the Circuit City location or Price Right building when everything says, no, that's not the case. One, um, the landlord's uh, directory shows Joanne going to Bed Bath & Beyond, and Dix is opening up a warehouse sale on Monday So in, in the Circuit City Price Right building, uh, and that's on their website. It's... Um, and that that you know, it, it, I just find it kind of interesting that they would put out a story that's wrong, not correct it, and you know the uh, what I'm assuming um, is the supervisor was putting what was rumored because when uh, um, Joanne announced they were moving to the Parkway Plaza, Bed Bath and Beyond hadn't announced that they were closing yet, so people just assumed it was going to the Price Right Circuit City uh, location when that wasn't going to happen. Um, but again, I, I looked through a bunch of the, um, uh, the town of Vestal planning board, the zoning board, meeting minutes and everything. And then like, even in those, there's some more wrong information. So there was uh, well, another thing too. And I, I hate to single Vestal out, but when you look at the um, minutes and agendas and, and stuff on, on their website or most other local government websites, Frequently, they're incomplete. Some haven't been updated for weeks, months, years. I'm not saying Vestal. Um, I happen to know of uh, an instance where, you know, with some meeting minutes, something that was brought up wasn't even reflected in the minutes. So, hey, the, the minutes can be sometimes inaccurate. The minutes can be uh, incomplete. And local government, not just Vestal, Binghamton, Endicott, Johnson City, Town of Union, everybody uh, could redouble their efforts to start putting timely, accurate information on their websites. But I don't, I don't believe that's going to happen in my lifetime. We have the technology; there's just not the will to inform the people. As far as accuracy in reporting, well, it's tough. Uh, if you haven't been a reporter in 2022, you just don't know the full story i could go into it but people would be <laughs> bored to tears um trust me trust me it's not it's not uh an occupation now for the faint of heart i mean what no, no. I, I mean people i'll just i'll i won't say anything more about it for the moment i'll say people just don't get it they don't want to get it and they they have no sympathy so i definitely have sympathy for them especially again when the the officials that they are interviewing should know, but 
don't. Or but again, it, it gets back. You you want things to be corrected. I mean, people at all levels, all reporters, especially in small markets. I'm not talking about the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post. People working in radio, TV newsrooms and people working for newspapers without newsrooms they're overworked they're underpaid and attempting to correct every factual error in every story is uh true i mean attempting it is nice actually doing it is an impossibility and uh, speaking on behalf of I'll, I'll appoint myself today as a representative for local journalists across the country we're exhausted and you know, we're almost at our breaking point. There is there's burnout. Uh, I mean, I talk about it to a lot of reporters. There's frustration, and again, the the news consumers they don't want to know it um, because it's. I, I guess the analogy I've used before: we love the sausage. Nobody wants to see how it's made. True. True. So, you know, that's all I can say. You know, everybody is exhausted. Even even the young reporters, first of all, young reporters who are um, working to learn the community, um, they're doing the best they can. There are, uh, every, every news operation in this town, every news operation in this state has insufficient resources and un, unrealistic expectations of their people. Yes. But again, and I definitely I appreciate what they all do. Yeah, but but again, the, you know the, the expectations. The I'm I'm saying, you know, the expectations. Unfortunately, of news consumers are unrealistic. But it's pointless to talk about it because unless you experience it, you you just don't understand. Right. It was more of my expectations of the supervisors and the mayors and stuff, knowing what's but going even on. That, even, even, <laughs> even, even elected officials, supervisors, mayors, uh, the county executive will be on next hour. They can only provide information to the best of their knowledge. And, and if they believe, let's face it, by the way, at least one of those retailers that was mentioned, maybe more than one, they changed their plans. They changed. They changed their plans. Same with Chick Fil A. I'm telling you, Chick Fil A, Dick's Sporting Goods, and Joanne Fabrics. I believe over the last twelve to eighteen months, they've been changing their plans in this market. And so to ascribe, you know, to to suggest that that some elected official who is referring to plans that were in place at one point. Uh, and then a business changes its plan, which is always always their right to do so, you know, to, to make it sound as though that, um, you know, they made a mistake. I mean, there, there are projects now. I, I won't tell you which project, but it's been in the news. And the key party to it is in the process of possibly changing their plans. So... And and they can do it up until the last possible minute. So the, and some some businesses change their plans more than once. And sometimes, if say a better deal comes along in terms of a better rate per square foot, what they perceive to be a somewhat better location, they'll change their plans. Hey, we all change our minds. There's nothing wrong with that. But to to have this expectation that everything. 
that an official says, you know, again, they're referring to something that was a snapshot. They can they have access to a lot of sources, and then if a company, invariably based out of town, with faceless executives, if they change their plans, they're not going to send an email to the local official and say, oh, by the way, we changed our plans, just so you know. But again, the expectations, I, I will... I will repeat, the expectations, I think, are unrealistic. I think the fact that some people are trying to report on things based on the best available information, the problem, and Dave, you know this all too well, the problem is all the companies you mentioned, and I've dealt with these companies before, they don't cooperate. So the reporter, (laughs) don't laugh. No, they don't cooperate. So no. if you're told something by one or more local official or even a developer, and then you call any of those companies and ask them for a statement, most of the time they won't even get back to you. And when they do, it's a polite a polite rejection of any information. Thank you for your inquiry. You know, it's like, and, and pleasant with the, with the sappiest, saccharine voice you can ever imagine. Well, thank you for your interest in XYZ Company, but we are not able to share any information at this time. But at the appropriate time, we will. Bye. Yeah, it was short and sweet. Yeah. So I can't even begin to express the frustration of trying to get information, whether it's from businesses Law enforcement agencies, in most cases, notice I said most cases, some law enforcement agencies actually set a standard for releasing information, and some businesses do, actually, but they're the exception to the rule. I can't tell you how many calls I make in an average day that result in zero information and result in zero acknowledgement. Hey, Vestal School District, there's a good example. They They sent out a letter to people saying, something to the effect somebody made a mistake so you paid too much in your property taxes so here's a refund check but their letter was intentionally vague and didn't offer any explanation so when we called jeff ahern from the vestal school district we never heard back to get an explanation Hmm. ever wow Not, not him not a minion hey you know, that's just one example this week. And I'm sure between now and 5 p.m., I'll face more of that. But what can you do? And what can you do? It's like it's like smashing your head against a brick wall. True, true. All right. Well, thanks for your uh, observations. I'm I'm sure you'll find more mistakes if you closely scrutinize local media stories today, and then you can call Monday to let us know what you found. I'll do my best to uh, hopefully not find anything. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we're we're only human. And again, to your point about whether it's government officials or anybody else who talks to reporters, most people provide the information that they believe to be true at the time. But again, you can't guard against companies or other entities adjusting their plans. It almost always happens. So, 
we do the yeah, best we can. We now a week before an opening is pretty pretty close. <laughs> Again, the companies don't help. True. You know, the companies make their announcements on their own schedule, and generally when a reporter calls trying to do even a most favorable story, their request for information usually is not even acknowledged. It's 934. Let not your heart be troubled. There's another two hours of the program here on WNBF. Enjoy. WNBF, Bob Joseph with you on your Friday morning, 607-772-1290. Ron and Binghamton, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Say uh, a little bit of a disclaimer here. Uh, It may be my phone, but I have the show cutting in and out. I lose like two seconds and then it's back on. So I don't know if it's my phone. So if I disappear, uh, I'm not cutting you off. I'm just, you know, uh, can't hear you and uh, just wanted to mention that. Are you with me? I am. Oh, okay, good. Uh, You know, uh, I was calling about a scam. Yesterday, we talked about the water scam, people going out there and buying bottles of water that they don't need and uh, polluting the environment with the with the plastic bottles and such. You know, uh, I wanted to mention another scam, which is aided and abetted by advertising, subtle advertising. I I went to the supermarket yesterday, and you know what I bought? I bought some fruits, and I bought some vegetables, and I understand and believe they're good for you. You should eat your fruits and vegetables, helps keep you in shape, helps keep you well, healthy. Uh, but, uh, you know, the swamp root idea really hasn't totally died. And I'm, I'm referring to something out there which says, well, don't worry about eating well, eating your fruits and vegetables. You know, take it easy. Just buy these capsules. And in these capsules, you get your fruits and vegetables. And people go out there and they spend quite a bit of money. I looked up the price of one of the brands spend a lot of money to buy these capsules, which essentially um, research shows that that they don't do very much for your body. They don't keep you healthy, but uh, they reduce the size of your wallet, basically. Uh, So uh, there's just a plethora of these things out there. And uh, so, you know, the Swamp Root Elixir, uh, which uh, made Kilmer rich, We've got that going right now, and we've got a lot of uh, stars and political figures 
One that comes to mind right now is Mike Huckabee out there hawking something to help you sleep. I don't know if you've seen that or not. No, but you know, you could also point to Dr. Oz. How many how many fine things he helped to promote. And then, you know, when he becomes a US senator, then we can imagine the types of things he'll support in terms of legislation to make that sort of thing even easier to happen. So, uh, you know, it's what what can you do? What can you do? It's it's buyer beware. Um, the the fact that if the state and federal governments don't want to regulate these things appropriately, buyer beware. The um, whatever uh, uh, Johnny Barnum once said that uh, people aren't that bright or something like that. There's there's a person who's not that bright born every second, and you know what? That's probably true, despite our best efforts to encourage people to only have smart kids you know we can encourage we can't legislate please people if you're going to have children and we encourage you to enjoy procreation but make sure your children are smart but we can't force people to bring smart kids into the world so in the meantime sadly because everything's about the money um, uh, people will pray on those who may not be able to see a scam, even if it smacks them in the noggin. Well, Bob, if you're if you're at the supermarket, I don't know if you're a snack eater, you know, potato chips and pretzels, but if you go down the snack aisle, what's the likelihood that you would pick up a bag, a generic bag that simply said, and you couldn't look in the bag, but it, it simply said snacks. Would you buy a generic bag of snacks? I wouldn't, but it sounds like a prop they used yeah. in that hit movie from the 1980s, Repo Man, where he went went into the their convenience store. All the items, all the items were those white bags with just black, a black, large, uh, all-in-caps description. I think it did say snacks. Actually, I think some of the bags just said snacks, and I think some cans, 12-ounce cans in six-packs just said drinks. It's like, what kind of drink? I don't know. Buy it yeah. and find out. You know, it's whatever, whatever the company had had available that day that they were filling cans or filling plastic bags. No, of course not. But again, uh, if if people don't want to be educated consumers, you can't force them. I mean, that's the beauty of a capitalist system. You know, people people inevitably are going to buy stuff that isn't good for them they're inevitably going to buy stuff that doesn't live up to the marketing uh literature and in the end look uh, if, if broom county cared about consumers we still would have a consumer protection director but they eliminated his position because they decided it wasn't worth protecting broom county consumers so in the end everybody has to make his or her Buying decisions, whether it's something you eat, something you ingest, or whatever, something you read, you know. Hey, it's it's the government won't help you in most cases. Bob, I think maybe uh, give give some thought to a part of your program. uh, Have a portion each day, maybe five minute portion that you do on kind of the scam a day. It would be a great public service. I will be thinking about that this weekend. Yeah. Well, have a great weekend, Bob. All right. Thanks. By the way, 
If you're going to buy anything today, do your research first. Don't be duped. Let's take another call. Brenda from the Forks. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Bob. No, I just want to say a lot of us aren't fortunate enough and we're, we work our asses off, excuse my language, and uh, we have to put food on the table or pay our bills. Pay our bills is usually the first option, wisest choice. Not to sound rude, but the prices of food, is uh, it's outrageous. So, you know, some of us eat popcorn for dinner and give thanks, you know. So enough said about that. I don't want Cheerios. To- Get a bowl of Cheerios. Oh, yeah. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, go buy a quart of milk if you could afford it. But anyway, I'm just so sick of the, the, the politicians and the government. Yeah, I heard what you said. The government does shit for people. And as far as... Uh, well, I think the government does the best it can. I mean, you know... No, 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 we, i got to say something. They, they, just, they just took all these people, these immigrants from out of the country and brought them down to New York City, you know... And, and it just it just blows my mind. We have enough people in this in this uh, country, you know. They just scatter. Them we don't. Around. We don't have enough people in this country, but we we certainly don't need people who show up in Texas. We don't need them being bust in New York. Stop it. If I if I have a chance today to speak with Governor Greg Abbott, I'm going to ask him to please stop sending people from your state to New York. We have our own issues. You deal with your issues. We will deal with our issues. Stop trying to fix your problem by shifting it to the great empire state. Governor Abbott should know better. Yeah, I agree. That's shameful. and Or no, that's deplorable. Well, I mean, I, I feel bad for these people, and I get it. They're well, I feel bad for for them, too. But I also feel bad for Governor Abbott that that's the best way he thinks he can fix his state's problem is to do something that's politically expedient but morally repugnant. Yeah. You know, so I, like- I, 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 I empathize with Governor Abbott. That's why I don't want to be governor of Texas or any other state. There are too many problems and too few solutions. But when your state encounters a big problem, don't try to fix it by sending it to someone else. That is not acceptable. No, it's not. That's that's childish. That is that's an immature way of dealing with the problem of migrants. I hope that Donald Trump gets busted. I heard the latest on that. Oh, I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't. I hope Donald Trump gets exonerated. Won't happen today, but in the fullness of time, I hope Donald Trump is totally exonerated. But I also hope, after he's totally exonerated, that he makes a one-sentence statement to the American people. Something like this. I am pleased to have been fully exonerated, and now I've decided to live my life as a private American citizen. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want. I seriously, I want him to be exonerated, and I want him to live his life as a private citizen. And I don't want to have to hear anything more about him, 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 his wives, his kids, his grandkids, hangers on, uh, uh, people, you know, convicts who uh, used to work for him. I don't want to hear anything more about him. Yeah, I, I just want to mention one thing. Before he left office, I was looking this up on the internet. 
he let about at least a good 50, like, murderers, rapists, you name it, right out of prison. I know. Shameful. And people... People have the audacity to criticize Kathy Hochul's record regarding criminal justice. Come on, man. It's 947. Bob Joseph, standing for the truth and the American way on WNBF and WNBF.com. Morning, it's Bob Joseph on WNBF. Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. We have a dream, we go traveling together. We spread a little love and it will keep moving. Come on, get happy. 951. Happy Radio 1290 with Larry from Kirkwood. Hey. I love how you played the Pharrell Williams song. I love that song. Oh, I love the happy songs. Yeah, that was good. That gal, that last gal you talked to, wow, she's pretty fired up. You use some colorful language there, too. <laughs> Who are we to judge, you know? Well, it's okay. Uh, but that was fun. I could I could sympathize with some things she said there. It's uh, pretty true. Pretty frustrating when you have to deal with high prices on things, you know. So well, at least the price of gas is coming down thanks to Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, right. <clears throat> price of gas now has dropped. Uh, I think for sixty-two days in a row. And before you know yeah, it, at this r- at this rate, the gas price around here could drop below three dollars a gallon by Christmas. Well, we could hope, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to shoot right back up. It will if, pe- uh, if it will if people start driving else. more. There's something else going on here, Bob. That I mean, I mean, this guy shut down the Keystone Pipeline, Alaska Pipeline. The Keystone Pipeline. Jackie. Wait, he shut it down. I didn't think it got started. The Keystone Pipeline was never completed, was it? Well, they had the oil and gas going through it. And he shut it down. Let me look this up. Hold on. Keystone pipeline shutdown. Hold on. Keystone. Of course, this only works. Oh, he laid off 11,000 workers. I I don't recall him shutting down the Keystone pipeline. I didn't know that the pipeline was operating and that he shut it down. I didn't think that it ever got built. The Keystone XL pipeline was going to take it was going to take uh, that bad oil from Canada and ship it down. I think down south where it would be. I don't know if it's going to be um, a process to refine, and then it was going to be shipped outside the U.S. So I don't see. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Keystone pipeline was operating and then it got shut down. I don't know. I mean, we're talking about the extension, the Keystone XL pipeline extension which was proposed by uh, an outfit, TransCanada. Remember, not an American company, not a U.S. company. So a, a Canadian company wanted to run their pipeline extension through the United States, and I believe it was going to take tar sands crude oil from Alberta down to processing hubs in the United States, and then I believe it was going to be sent overseas, not to 
the fine drivers in America, so drivers like you and me, good drivers who pay good American money, weren't going to get any of the gasoline, or at least not much. Most of it was going to go to foreign entities. I don't think that's true. Well, I, I mean, it is according to the Internet, but you're right. The Internet gets things wrong. I'm just saying, according yeah, to the Internet, most most of the gasoline and oil that was coming from Alberta wasn't going to wind up going to U.S. consumers. That's what they say. Well, just look at the fact that when Biden signed the executive order to shut down Keystone, but he, the Keystone XL pipeline wasn't even finished. They they had, you know, oh, no, you talk about finished. shutting it down. It wasn't even pumping one one barrel of oil. No, that's not true. It was. It was pumping a lot of oil. And you're saying that Joe that's Biden, the guy, you're out. you're saying the guy from Scranton, shut uh, it down. I didn't want to come out here to argue with you. I just wanted to make a comment here. And I'm asking a question. You said Joe Biden shut it down. It was running. And then Joe Biden took office in January last year, and he shut it down. Yeah, signed an executive order. Don't you remember that? It can't. Sure it do. canceled the project. It put an end to the project. I mean, It was I mean, abandoned. The, pi- the pipeline extension well, was abandoned. I don't believe just, it was ever actually running. Well, let me just say this, and this is a fact. When he did that... Within, I don't know, not too long a time, gas prices shot up like crazy. All right. They, that much is true. I saw with my own eyes. Appreciate your call. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF. Almost Live and local, Bob Joseph, WNBF, Binghamton, 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 66 degrees. It's 10.04. A little bit of a breeze out there out of the north at 12 miles an hour. And it's going to continue to be a lovely day today. Sunny, a high in the upper 70s. If you're interested in the Perseid meteor showers for tonight, there is a program at the Copernic Observatory and Science Center. And it looks like good sky conditions for tonight. Clear and our low temperature in the upper 40s. Once again, you can contact Compernic and find out how you can participate in tonight's program. WMBF News Time 1004. New York State Police are looking for information concerning the discovery of a woman's body in the town of Morris in Otsego County. Authorities say the woman stood between four foot nine inches and four feet eleven inches tall and was wearing Adidas jogging pants, a pink tank top, a lightweight black jacket that had a pink zipper, and Carolina brand boots. A silver heart ring and a gold chain necklace were also found in that remote area. Investigators say they want to be able to notify the woman's family and conduct a criminal investigation if that's necessary. There were no details provided on just where and when the remains were found. Anyone with information is asked to contact the state police at 607-561-7400. A Cortland man is facing numerous felony counts after being found in the parking lot of a closed business in the overnight hours earlier this month. At around 12.23 a.m. on August 6th, the 
officers from the Homer Police Department noticed the occupied vehicle in the parking lot in the town of Homer just outside the village line. And officers from the Cortland County Sheriff's Office were called to respond and assist with investigating the suspicious activity. The Sheriff's Office says during their investigation, four people were found inside the vehicle along with drugs and drug paraphernalia. According to a Sheriff's News release, 56-year-old David Sneed II was found in possession of 86 bags of heroin, around 11 grams of crystal methamphetamine, approximately 3 grams of cocaine, 60 bupiforning strips, the packaging's materials, and a scale and some cash. In all, investigators say the drugs were believed to have a street value of over $2,800. Sneed is charged with four felony counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance and misdemeanor criminally using drug paraphernalia. Sneed was ordered to appear in Homertown Court next month. The Broome County jury in the attempted murder case of a Colesville man and evidence tampering case of his father is deliberating after over a week of hearing testimony. Jason Johnson is on trial for allegedly shooting and wounding a New York State trooper while his father, David Johnson, is accused of tampering with evidence days after the shooting incident. Jury selection in the case began August 2nd, and the panel has been hearing from witnesses for over a week, including from the New York State trooper who was shot in the hip on June 9th, 2021. Trooper Becky Seeger was among officers responding to check on a suspicious person who had reportedly been seen drawing in the middle of the road. Jason Johnson was apprehended following a manhunt that lasted over 20 hours, while Trooper Seeger says she continues to suffer from the aftermath of the shooting. David Johnson was said to have been out of town at the time, but later allegedly was at the cabin used by his son and rearranged evidence, including clothing and possible shell casings, prompting his arrest a month after the shooting on charges of evidence tampering. WMBF News Time 1008. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says the state taxpayers should pay the bill for his legal defense against allegations of sexual harassment that led to his resignation from office a year ago this past Wednesday. The former governor filed suit August 11th against the state attorney general for allegedly violating state law by denying his request for being assigned public assistance for his defense. Attorney General Letitia James in April denied the Democrats' legal counsel request. Cuomo's camp claims that sexual harassment allegations came from a time when, according to the court challenge, quote, he was acting within the scope of his employment or duties. Therefore, the state should be the ones responsible for paying for the legal challenge. A former member of Cuomo's security detail, a female New York State trooper, is among those claiming inappropriate behavior on the part of the former governor. The unnamed trooper filed a lawsuit earlier this year in federal court claiming Cuomo and those in his administration violated her civil rights when the then governor made sexually suggestive comments to her and ran his fingers or hand across her stomach and back. The attorney general's investigation that resulted in Cuomo stepping down from from office last year found the powerful politician had sexually harassed close to a dozen women and members of his staff subsequently acted to retaliate against at least one of the women who stepped forward with harassment claims. James, who, like Cuomo, is a Democrat, issued a statement in response to Cuomo's suit saying, quote, taxpayers should not have to pony up for legal bills that could reach millions of dollars so Mr. Cuomo's lawyer can attack survivors of his abuse. WMBF News Time 1009. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, sunny today, a high in the upper 70s, clear tonight, a low in the upper 40s. Sunny Saturday, a high near 80. 
Sunday, mostly sunny, a high in the low 80s. Monday, partly sunny, a 50% chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms, a high in the mid to upper 70s. And Tuesday, partly sunny, a 40% chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms, and a high again in the mid 70s. Currently, it is 66 in Binghamton. It's 10-12, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. I'm Bob Joseph, and on a Friday morning, we're live on WMBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And always available on your free WNBF app. Joined now by Broome County Executive Jason Garner. We'll talk about some of the key issues in Broome County. As we uh, move through the summer of 2022. And Mr. Garner, welcome back to the program. It's uh, it's good to be back, Bob. Thank you. And Morning, yeah, I, I had the opportunity to visit what we've talked about uh, on the program several times, the old Victory Building that was used for several decades by Endicott Johnson Shoe Company, and then it fell into disuse and sat there uh, being used primarily as a storage site for things like cars and boats, but nothing really productive. And now suddenly the, uh, the transformation of that old factory with about 270,000 square feet of space, that that transformation is moving quickly in Johnson City. It is. Uh, I, I just had a chance to look at some of the pictures you took. I'm actually headed over there right after I do your radio segment to, to check it out personally myself and to get, to get updated on the progress. Um, pretty amazing considering, I would say about, Six or seven years ago, um, if you remember the big competition for the URI, in the application, in the Southern Tiers application for that $500 million award, um, there, there was a project for this building. And the application at that time, seven years ago, uh, was, a, was an ask of the state for $7 million to just tear the whole thing down. And... So just, you know, in just seven years, uh, we've gone from thinking the only thing that we can do there is to demolish it to you've got this beautiful $40 million development that's, uh, you know, being uh, renovated right in front of our eyes. And I think it's pretty cool. Every time you, you go by the highway, you see a little bit more progress on the the, the project. It, it, I just think it's fascinating that someone was able to take something like that. I mean, just a few years ago, there was about 300 uh dilapidated vehicles in it, uh, rusted out vehicles in it, and and turn it into, you know, an amazing project like this. I And, you know, you walk through it. Um, you know, I don't know if you talk to your listeners about your walkthrough, but, uh, you know, just seeing, talking to you beforehand and seeing some of these pictures, it's just like, it's, it's just unbelievable that, you know, Matt Paulus is able to, to take such a, you know, we call this the biggest eyesore in Broome County. It really is. To take that and to make it into to what it is now is pretty pretty phenomenal. Well, I will talk at, at greater length next hour about what I saw because uh, the developer Matthew Paulus did uh, come down from Syracuse, and I think we 
went on a, a tour that lasted about an hour. I mean, on every floor. He didn't just say, oh, okay, let me take you up to ah, the fourth floor. Here, take a look at this. Here's a model apartment. Take a couple of pictures. Now, get the heck out of here and stop bothering me. He actually you know, spent some time, and we went on all the five, first five floors because the apartments will be on floors two through five with parking on the, the ground level. And then I said, well, the sixth floor is going to be used. It's uh, The plans call for it to be used for commercial space. Can I go up there? And initially he was, well, we haven't really done much, and it's all cleared out, And which was actually so. I My insistence paid off because that was fascinating. If people look at the story on uh, WNBF.com, those initial pictures where you see uh, the cleared-out area, that is the top floor because they haven't started building, finishing out for apartments or any commercial spaces yet. So just the, the fact being up on that top floor, you could see, not just the Binghamton University Health Sciences campus nearby on Corliss Avenue, but you look even further to the south and you can see the BU Administration Building. And then uh, you look over to the east, you can see the uh, ANSCO Camera Factory. Now, um, the ANSCO loss on Emma Street, that was the other project that Mr. Paulus did in Binghamton, and you could see that from... Uh, you know, the top floor looking east, and you could see the state office building near where you are, right next to where your office is in the county office building. So it's just fascinating. And then yeah. I said, oh, can I go up on the roof? And he said, well, I, I don't really think people should be up on the roof. And I said, but I do. And so <laughs> wound up up on the up on the roof. And, um, I mean, it's fascinating, and we'll have more pictures uh, in a few days on our website. But the bottom line is, this is... This is not an inexpensive pro- project, and one of the points that uh, Mr. Paulus made with me uh, in redeveloping these old factory buildings, you, yes, you have to know how to do some of the physical aspects as far as how you change, in this case, a former shoe factory into a building that will have 156 apartments, but it also is complicated in terms of financing. So obviously you right. need support from state grants and, and other other things. I mean, cobbling together together a financing package and and making it feasible that's probably even a bigger challenge than the physical reconstruction yeah you know you can't take a building like that that was really just slated for demolition just seven or eight years ago and turn it into a 40 million dollar development like we're seeing now um so you know i i know both broom county and the town of union have put you know in, in the whole scheme of things a small amount of arpa funding in it but um you know, there's been several stakeholders involved in this project that are putting some funding into the project to, to get make sure it gets to the finish line. We're, we're definitely glad to do that because, you know, it's a priority to clean up this huge eyesore. It's also a priority to bring more housing to this community. Um, we have a ton of jobs available right now, and but we need more housing. We need to get more people in here. In order to do that, we need more housing. And these are the types of projects that we need to do that. Well, in... Not to dwell too much on the past, but just to remind people in case they forgot, the as you mentioned at one point, the uh, thinking was, well, just tear this building down and then also maybe potentially even tear down that other uh, brick building, smaller brick building just to the south of the Victory yep. building down. And, and ultimately, um, 
as things worked out, I mean, one redevelopment plan fell through, a plan for senior housing, and I had to say, for a time, it looked pretty bleak that anything positive could happen, and then this plan was announced, and now Mr. Paulus also is uh, ultimately planning to uh, put housing into that, that smaller building, uh, I believe, on yep. Avenue A. Uh, so, yeah, so this is, uh, it's amazing. That, that building... Yeah, so that building is, 19, I think it's 19 Avenue B. That building yes. was, again, a building that was, uh, that, that, was uh, that Broome County took uh, for, for lack of, uh, for back taxes. We foreclosed on it. We transferred it to Johnson City, and Johnson City had a, a Restore New York grant on it um, that they had, they had won on it. And um, they did an RFP, and, and Matt Paulus uh you know, won that, that RFP. So we're going to expect in the next year that, yeah, that, that building is probably going to be, it'll be a smaller project, but uh, still, in the, and I think in the realm of 12 to $15 million, uh, 30 apartments coming in there as well. So good example, two buildings that used to be owned by the taxpayers, and now they're, they're totally getting, uh, you know, transformed and getting back on the tax rolls and providing a really good purpose for housing. Well, it occurred to me, and I, this is one of the things I also talked with Mr. Paulus about during our, our walk through on Thursday afternoon. If you look a few miles to the west over at North Page Avenue in West Endicott, at one time there was a developer from the Philadelphia area who seemed to have a plan very similar to this to redevelop right. that old factory. And unfortunately, I don't believe he had the same expertise uh, in redeveloping buildings like that, and he, I don't believe he had access to the same type of financing that Matthew Paulus does, and so he may have had a vision. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, and then ultimately, as many people know, the county sold the property for $50,000 to National Pipe and Plastics. They covered the cost, which was not a small cost. It had to be I don't know if it's a million dollars or how much to tear down the old factory. And then ultimately they um, erected a a new modern office building for the company's headquarters. Yeah, I mean, if you look around the community, we're we're kind of these these places that everybody looked at as huge eyesores. What are you going to do with it? You know, we really have taken on these uh, these pretty big eyesores and and worked with people to redevelop them. I think our, you know, our. Our next priority is the Oakdale Mall, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, we, we've got some other properties that we're targeting the the former Huron campus the, or the IBM campus. Um, there's there's something called, and you, you probably are familiar with it, and your listeners are familiar with it, the uh, the old building group, which is all the buildings on that campus east of McKinley Avenue. Um, those are all basically falling in on each other. Um, there's a lot of redevelopment going on there. Um, I, I think you just wrote a story on this, and uh, Imperium 3 just started commercial production of their batteries. They're going to need room to expand. So we're going to be looking at that property and partnering with uh, the Phoenix Group to uh, work to basically – We're, we're gonna, all those buildings are going to have to be demolished. To, to make way for expansion on that campus and, and to bring more jobs there. So, you know, between that and the mall, those are kind of like the next places where you're going to see a lot of redevelopment. And you're, you're, you're going to see, I, I think, over the next couple of months, some, some huge announcements 
about those things. Well, to your point about the announcement that actually was made without any real fanfare, it was just made on, on social media platforms about Imperium 3 uh, starting their production activities and getting the ball rolling to actually uh, producing cells that eventually will be shipped out to customers. I mean, I, I view that as a, a major milestone, even if it uh, was not in t- it was not accompanied by, uh, say, a big photo op and, and big production. I'm sure that's yet to come, but the fact that uh, they got to that milestone, and I'm sure it, at some point in the weeks ahead, they'll be shipping product. Absolutely. And and so, uh, you know, last year I took a tour of the Imperium factory, the, the Giga factory, they, they call it. Um, this this is the future. Uh, Lithium-ion batteries are the future. This is what's going to fuel a lot of the, the things, certainly our, our cars. Um, you know, one of the, the interesting parts of the bill that was passed, um, that, that I think the House of Representatives, it was just passed in the Senate, this uh this inflation reduction bill is uh, an EV tax credit bill. Uh, so you're going to be able to get $7,500 um, a rebate on any EV vehicle you purchase. But one of the things they changed about this rebate was that car manufacturers, in order to get this rebate and to qualify for it, you're going to have to put in your vehicles batteries that are made in the USA. And that's why I think Imperium 3 has such potential. They are one of the, the first companies in the United States to make these types of batteries, and they're making them right here in Endicott. And they have a huge expansion plan for that campus. And, um, you know, very quickly, you're going to see, you know, a lot of, you know, I think all the major auto, auto manufacturers are talking about in the next five to ten years, they're going to convert all their vehicles from gasoline vehicles to uh, EVs and even the trucks. And what we're going to have to have is the the battery capacity to do that. And and I think that's great. Made in the USA, let's build this stuff in the USA. They're building the cars right here. Let's build the batteries right here, and let's not be so dependent on on places like China. And the greatest thing is, is that, one of these large factories is, is happening right now, and, and they're starting to produce batteries starting yesterday. And so I see a lot more good things to come there. We're just going to have to work uh, with them, partner with them at that campus, um, because that's, I mean, you've been down there. Everybody's been by there. Those are massive buildings. I mean, we're not just talking about a few hundred tons of concrete. We're talking about tens of thousands of tons of concrete that, um, because of the dilapidated condition and the need to expand and build new buildings, that that's all going to have to go and and be landfilled. So that's kind of like what our next, you know, what we're going to have to look at in the next in the coming months and in, in the next year is how do we work to allow Imperium and other companies on that campus to expand. And I know from our conversations with Endicott's Mayor Linda Jackson, also with Chris Pelto uh, from the Huron campus, which is now owned by Phoenix Investors, they uh, they're of course anxious to get that demolition done. Um, hopefully by the end of the year, the first phase, or it's only a small component, but probably right. in the next couple of weeks, that one walkway uh, that is 
no longer used and now serves as a convenient target for two tall trucks. That walkway uh, not far from North Street will be taken out. And then uh, probably, if things go as planned by the end of the year, those uh, unused buildings, I think it's a total of five unused buildings to the east of McKinley Avenue will be removed. And then that swath of property from McKinley Avenue to Hayes Avenue into the town of Union will be uh, available for some redevelopment. And I know from uh, talking with both Mr. Pelto and Mayor Jackson, they're looking forward to that. Well, the county is an active partner in this because, you know, that we're we're talking about a massive amount of tons here. We're talking about, you know, maybe 30 or 40,000 tons of concrete. And, you know, all, all that will end up somewhere in the landfill. Hopefully we can recycle it, but based on the, you know, the contamination and all that kind of stuff, um, we probably won't be able to recycle all of it. But um, that is going to be probably one of the largest in terms of sheer size of, of the tonnage demolition projects that's ever happened in Broome County. I know some people in Endicott just to talking to them are, you know, it's going to be a bittersweet day, right? Because, you know, people have a ton of memories of what used to happen on that campus, in those buildings on this campus, whether it was they or their parents that were working in that campus. I wish there was a way that we could renovate some of those buildings. I think one of them will be able to be renovated, but unfortunately what's happened over the past 20 or 30 years, uh, that old IBM group uh, building group has, has uh, I mean, literally a lot of those buildings are falling in on themselves. And for us to, you know, create the jobs that we need and to expand, we're going to have to get rid of them. So uh, I think that the demolition is probably going to take a period of six months, actually. It is a huge, huge project, and you just can't get it done in a few months. But, um, you know, my goal would be uh, to to work with uh, the Phoenix Group and get these buildings down, you know, hopefully uh, sometime next year. It's 1029. We're talking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. More to come on our Friday program. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. Almost. WNBF, WNBF.com. This program is being recorded for quality control purposes. Hmm. I just want to put that disclaimer in there in case anybody didn't think we recorded for quality control. Of course. Of course. To assure the listener the, the finest, finest listening experience. It's 1033 on a Friday morning with Bob Joseph and the Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Speaking of demolitions, including demolitions of things linked to the fabled international business machines, where do things stand with the planned demolition of the former country club site on Watson Boulevard in the town of Union? So I'm happy to report that um, the, uh, the the last thing that needed to happen was the uh, SHPO, which is a, a state historical uh, agency, uh, they, my understanding is they, they signed off on the demolition, and the demolition is probably imminent. And I, I think it's, it's going to happen, um, start to happen within the next couple weeks. So uh, we are well on our way to, uh, you know, getting uh, 
all those buildings down, and of course there's a there's a housing development that that's going to follow, uh, you know, hopefully starting next year. But uh, the the demolition should start in the next couple weeks, maybe even earlier. And have you heard how long that demo work likely would take? I think that's going to take a month or two to do. I, I think, uh, I mean, again, that's another area that's a lot of concrete. It's not just the buildings there, but you've got the, the pools that you got to get rid of as well. So I think that's probably, that process is going to probably take, um, you know, if it starts at the end of the summer in the next couple of weeks, probably go into the fall to do it. Do you know if the demolition contractor has been selected? I, I believe uh, LaChase is in charge of the, the demolition, and then I think they picked the, the contractor. It may be Gorick. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a local right. contractor that, that's working on the project. Do you know if any final determination was made? Obviously, this was uh, you know one of the factors with the State Historic Preservation Office uh, as far as trying to retain some aspect of the historic significance of that site. Do you know if anything specifically has been finally determined that, that would still allow people to sort of acknowledge how important that site was to so many of us who were members of IBM families. Yeah, I think, I think what I foresee is that, um, you know, any type of historical artifacts or anything like that, that that's in there, that's of value to the building, um, you know, the LaChase will certainly, you know, work to, you know, get those over to the historical society. Um, I mean, you you were talking about um one north page uh the the big uh, EJ building over there that was demolished um one of the things that they did was i think they made some type of a statue or monument out of a lot of the old bricks that were in the building and i think you you might see something similar to that as well unfortunately because of the you know all the the past neglect that's happened with this building with the with the previous owners I just don't think there's a lot anybody's going to get in this building. I mean, this uh, I've seen some of the pictures and video inside. I mean, this place looks like Chernobyl. This is not this is not a not a great not a lot of stuff left here. Um, unfortunately, the building has been broken into a number of times over the past you know, gosh, ten, fifteen years, twenty years, and you know, I, I think anything of value was was probably taken, but. If there's anything remaining that's of historical significance, because we do, you know, we, we certainly do appreciate the memories that were made in this building, and we want to preserve, you know, anything that's left of that as much as possible. But unfortunately, I think a lot of that stuff is gone. So, if demolition can be wrapped up in maybe by the end of the year, how soon then would construction start on the planned apartment complex? That's a good question. I think we're we're mostly focused on the demolition. It's the main thing is to get this thing down, or else the, you know you can't really bring anything in there. But talking to the developers, um, I, I believe that they were looking at a start time of sometime in twenty three. Now, of course, that will a lot of uh, a lot of factors will will play in that decision. Probably most likely, uh, you know, the availability of of uh, people to actually do the construction work, which 
I mean, even if you're you're trying to do any work on your house, you know how how difficult it is for to get to line up a contractor. There's a huge lag time in that. There's a construction shortage, material shortage, those types of things. But my hope would be that the new housing project would start sometime next year in 2023. Speaking with the Broome County Executive Jason Garner on a Friday morning, I'm Bob Joseph. This is WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming live at WNBF.com. We have more coming right up. Welcome. From that memory. Ten forty one WNBF station that seems to be everywhere. How how do we have these reporters who must be able to clone reporters because they just seem everywhere. We're uh, chatting with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner. Um, so much to talk about, and really the time just gets past us, or it moves so quickly. Oakdale Mall. I still call it the mall, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of work that continues over at what is being turned into the Oakdale Commons. They're doing a lot of work uh, along the east side of the mall property along Reynolds Road, and they also now have begun the, the work to uh, reconfigure the entrance on the Harry L. Drive side. That, that construction is underway, and that once center entrance that used to be available now is closed. Give us an update on, on what's going on with the new mall uh, to become the Oakdale Commons. Yeah, so there's there's a couple things happening at the mall, and I think everybody that drives by there sees the, the huge amount of dirt that's uh, you know, the pile of dirt that 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 has uh, you know quickly appeared in, in the last few weeks. But um, what, what's going over what's going on over on the the Reynolds uh, Drive part of the Oakdale Commons is there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to get fixed, uh, specifically stormwater infrastructure, um, storm pipes, things like that. There's a huge pipe that goes across the road when it rains a lot. Um, you know, that, that, that pipe has been problematic because what you're going to see is in addition to all the interior improvements at the mall, you're going to see exterior improvements such as the whole parking lot being uh, repaved. And one of the things that they want, certainly want to do is they want to address all the infrastructure underneath that parking lot. You don't want to just repay the parking lot and then, you know, tear up, tear it up again. These pipes are, gosh, at least 50, 60 years old. A lot of them need to be fixed. So that's what's happening over there. In addition to the outside part you mentioned they're they're doing uh they're they're kind of doing the entrance redoing the entrance um inside the the former Macy's building there is a lot of demo going on in there uh to to get ready for uh what's going to come in that building I heard wow. that's going to be a project that'll make a lot of people happy around here that's what I've been told it, uh, I can't. I can't say anything about it. But what I will say is, I believe that um, what's going to come in there, which will be, uh, you know, for a lot of people, that you know, a, a huge highlight of this project, um, 
uh, people in Broome County will probably hear about it um, in a matter of days or or a few weeks. So it's a the, an announcement on that is is imminent. All right, and so I won't blur, is, I won't blurt it out on not, on the no, radio now. Gonna, so you're not going to do that. But but what I will tell you about that project is, um, it it's it is a huge project, and it is it is going. You're going to get a ton of people, not just from Broome County or surrounding counties, but um, you're going to have a lot of people from different parts of the state. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a regional destination, in my it's view. It's going to be a regional destination, and we're very very excited about it. Um, but you know, the crazy thing about what's happening in that mall is that there's going to be a lot of other great things happening there that people are are really really going to be excited about. This is just a one of like you know five big things that are happening there, and um, it, it's a really 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 important project. Um, Especially considering, you know, what what where this mall was going, you know, five years ago to see what's coming in is is really nothing short of a miracle. So, uh, like you know, like you say, stay tuned. I, I think in in a matter of days, um, you know, you will will hear much more uh, about this about this project. I wouldn't be surprised they have like a big, what, what do you call it, like a photo op or media event. That would be appropriate. Uh, there, there could be. There could. Well, in my estimation, you know, who am, who am I to judge? But if it was me, I would turn it into like an extravaganza. I mean, not fireworks, but maybe something short of fireworks. But still, I'm just saying. It's well, I think I think one of the things that uh, you know everybody everybody I talk to wants to know about what's happening at the mall, and I think the developers are are taking a you know I think it's a. Uh, Sometimes it's frustrating because everybody's like, "What's coming in?" and you know, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I, I think the developers are, are taking a, a very you know practical and responsible approach to it. And you know, once everything is signed and and all that kind of stuff, they will start to to lay out the big announcements that are to follow. But I, I would say very soon, you know, we're we're going to see one of these big announcements coming up. And, and well, and to be fair to them, because. You have to respect the wishes of the future tenant. Exactly. That's the exactly. thing. I mean, you know, and so I, I understand. As as a reporter, I may find it somewhat frustrating, but then again, I'm not the one that's going to be spending money to uh, make that sort of thing happen. So that's, you know, if I was going to put in a new $50 million radio studio, I would announce it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm serious. I, w- I would want to announce That's it myself. Right. I mean, that would be my right. It's well, 10, 1047, I, I, WNBF. And I, and I, yeah, and I think just the good, the good news about all that is that we're going to see a lot of these announcements happen this year. So, you know, I think people have been really, really patient to hear what's going on, but um, I, I think you're going you're gonna to hear most of what's going on at the mall and, and, you know, by the end of the year. Another thing that will be happening soon, maybe not such a, a big economic extravaganza, but it sounds like it'll be fun. It's an event coming up in uh, a couple of weeks over at Cole Park. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So, uh, you know, we're, as you know, we're, we're doing a huge parks renovation uh, project over the next couple of years, you know, doing some big projects like Grippen Park and all of our parks are going to get renovated, new bathrooms, all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things I'm, I'm really, really uh, 
proud of our parks director, Liz White. When we brought her in, we, we told her, look, we want we just want you to bring as many events as you can to our parks. I mean, we got some of the most beautiful parks in the state, I'd say the nation. Let's get as many events as we can. So uh, Liz has, has partnered uh, with Visions Federal Credit Union. We're, we're going to have our first ever uh, Broome County Beach Bash at Cole Park, August 27th. And um, we're going to take a we're going to take a little bit of Cali, California, and put it into to Cole Park that day and night. So there's uh, there's going to be live music. There's going to be food trucks. We're going to have bonfires on the beach, and then to kind of uh, you know to kind of finish things off, we're going to have a huge fireworks show right over the lake, which I think is going to be awesome. It's it's something that we've we've never done. Best of all, it's free, and um, you know to have all that kind of stuff happening there. I mean, again, I think Cole Park is a really awesome park, and um, you know we do our Winter Fest there that we just started a few years ago. And um, Liz and her team have really, really put on a, a pretty amazing uh, beach bash to kind of uh, kick off, you know, kind of uh, to celebrate the the end of what's been a pretty amazing summer weather-wise. And um, I encourage everybody to go. I, I think it's going to be, we're going to get slammed. I think there's going to be a lot of people that go there just because of all the all the things that are happening there. And you can't argue with with food and, and music and, and fireworks. And so uh, that's going to be August 27th. I think the, the festivities, I think they start around noon. And um, I think the fireworks are, are scheduled to take place sometime around 8.30 at night. It's 10.50 at WNBF. What is the status of the long-planned Veterans Center that at one point was uh, slated for the Vestal Hills Country Club? That location uh, ultimately proved to be too expensive. So where will the one-stop Veterans Center ultimately be located? So the the, the Veterans Center... Uh, the property, the we have purchased it. Um, the property is on the north side of Binghamton. If you remember, the Salvation Army was going to put in a, a large project uh, just across from the Kmart Plaza. There's a couple of acres of uh, of land there that ultimately their their funding um, was short, and they they couldn't. Um, you know, they couldn't move forward with the project. So uh, the county legislature, I believe it was last month, approved a resolution to, to purchase the property from the Salvation Army and um, the early part of, of next year. So we're, we're really glad to see that project moving around. Um, we've always wanted to have a one-stop shop building for our veterans. And, you know, hopefully by the end of the year of next year, We'll be able to have that happen. I think it's happening in a and that that area of Binghamton is primed for a lot of development. Um, you know, Country Town Apartments is going to get a huge renovation, um, and then and then probably even bigger than that. Um, I think there's a lot of lot of opportunity for the redevelopment of the the former Kmart building. You saw Mayor Cram talk a couple weeks ago about 
you know, what he intends to do. And, you know, I, I fully support, you know, his vision in, um, you know, in getting that property uh, redeveloped and really taking some real action on that property. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of great things happen over there in that, in that part of the city. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're glad to be, be a part of that as well. So the Vestal Hills Country Club now is on the market. The county acquired that uh, about three years ago for $750,000. Is the county going to be able to sell that soon? That's where our hope is. We we were we we had originally um, agreed to uh, sell this to uh, an ownership group once once we figured out that, that this project because of COVID and you know some other things, um, cost overruns um, that we weren't going to be able to do the project up there. Um, we we had an agreement with a development group to to purchase the property. It hasn't closed. So, um, you know, my, my goal is to, um, you know, sell the property as soon as possible, but we also want to sell the property. Um, it's got, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's a large piece of property and adjoining it is another, uh, I think another 80 acres of property. So I think it's got a lot of potential in terms of, um, you know, the future use of it. And was the group planning on, on reopening it as a country club facility or did they have some other plan in mind i think they were they were uh more interested in in putting up um higher end single family homes um it's a beautiful piece of property um we need all types of housing in broom county but um you know one of the things that you know we've heard from employers is that there's just not enough 400 500 600 thousand dollar homes in this community so i think that they were they were looking at um you know putting up um, you know, some of these homes up on uh, up on the property, which I think would be a really good use for the property. It would really fit in well with, um, you know, the neighborhood that, you know, there's a lot of nice homes in that neighborhood as well. Um, but, you know, we'd like to sell this property as quick as possible. Um, you know, we, we thought we were going to have it conveyed a year ago and, you know, we're, we're you know, the, it, it was never closed on, but, um, you know, we'd like to sell it quickly, but we also just don't want to sell it to just anybody. We want to make sure that, you know, somebody has a, a good project, you know, to, uh, to bring to the table for, for that area. And we just have a few seconds. Have you uh, seen security beefed up there after the problems that were reported? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've, uh, you know, obviously increased a lot of security over there. Um, you know, after the incident that happened, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, a lot more security patrols were working with the, the sheriff as well. Um, you know, they're they're patrolling the area, and and you know, I, I certainly don't want to get into all the the other the right. security things that we put in place, but um, you know, we we have um, absolutely increased our security over there. Broome County Executive Jason Garner, thank you as always. Uh, thank you, and uh, it looks like uh, the weather's going to be nice. Have a beautiful weekend, everybody. Thank you very much. 10.56, more to come on WNBF. Almost. Joseph on WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. 
actions taken uh, by Director Ray and ordered by General Gar- excuse me, Attorney General Garland <clears throat> to raid Marlago and the personal residence of Donald Trump. Attorney General Merrick Garland cites surrounding circumstances and substantial public interest as reasons the department wants to make public the warrant. Former President Trump said online that he will not object to making those documents public. ABC's Aaron Katursky has more on the search. Sources told ABC News federal agents went looking for material with national security implications, labeled special access, available only to those with the highest level security clearance. The Washington Post reports classified documents related to nuclear weapons were among the items agents sought. But Trump has denied having those kinds of documents. Authorities in Ohio are investigating the 42-year-old man who they say tried to enter the FBI Cincinnati field office, potentially in retaliation over the FBI search at Mar-a-Lago. Multiple law enforcement sources tell ABC News the suspect is 42-year-old Ricky Schiffer, labeling him a suspected domestic violent extremist. Authorities are investigating social media posts allegedly made by Schiffer after he learned about the FBI search on Mar-a-Lago. He called for war and to kill FBI agents on site in posts on Twitter and former President Trump's own social media network, Truth Social. That's ABC's Trevor Alt in Cincinnati. Today in Washington, the House is set to vote on the Inflation Reduction Act, the Democratic bill intended to increase spending on climate and health care. The family of actress Anne Hayes says she is not expected to survive the injury she suffered in a car crash last week. This is ABC News. Attention all business owners who rent or lease space, including storage space. Stop wasting your money paying someone else for your space. You can now save a ton of money and own your own building with the incredible sale prices from General Steel. That's right. Start saving money every month on renting space from others. Just call 877-25-STEEL to see how General Steel can help you save money. Our 50-year structural warranty buildings are custom designed for your needs and save you a ton of money. Call 877-25-STEEL. 7725 Steel. Take it from a successful entrepreneur. If you need to expand or start a new business, you need General Steel. Great team and the competitive pricing is the reason I went with General Steel. Call 87725 Steel now and you can get any of our popular quick construction structures, including a 40 by 60 foot building or a 50 by 100 clear span building fast and easy. Call 87725 Steel. That's 877 257 8335. 87725 Steel. More than 11,000 people have been evacuated in France after wildfires burned 18,000 acres of forest. Hundreds of firefighters facing another day of high temperatures and dry conditions are battling flames in the southwestern region near the city of Bordeaux. Actress Anne Heche remains hospitalized in Los Angeles and is not expected to survive after crashing her car into a home, which then caught fire. Word of that came overnight from her family. In a statement, Anne Heche's family and friends say she is not expected to survive her injuries from last Friday's crash. Her family saying she is being kept on life support right now to determine if any of her organs are viable to be donated. They say she suffered severe brain injury and remains in a coma. She's at Grossman Burn Center here in L.A. Her family saying she will be remembered for her courageous honesty and dearly missed for her light. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles. Investigators are still collecting evidence from the site of the crash. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White.
a nice day for today. You might even say the temperatures are on the cool side with highs only getting into the 70s. New York State Police are turning to the public to try to help piece together what happened to a woman whose body was found in a remote area in the town of Morris in Otsego County. The troopers say the remains are those of an adult woman. She was short in stature, believed to have stood between 4 feet 9 and 4 feet 11 inches tall. Several items of clothing were recovered by the authorities. Investigators say the woman had been wearing Adidas brand jogging pants, a pink tank top, along with a lightweight black jacket with a pink zipper, and Carolina brand boots. Also found near the remains were an adjustable silver ring with a small heart mounted on it, as well as a gold chain necklace with a medium to heavy link. The news release provides no specifics regarding the location where the remains were found, when the body and clothing were located, or by whom. Anyone with information is encouraged to contact the New York State Police at 607-561-7400. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo wants taxpayers to pay his legal bills as he defends himself against a workplace sexual harassment claim, and he's suing the state attorney general over it. Cuomo filed the suit against A.G. Letitia James on Thursday. He's arguing that James violated state law by denying him public assistance for his defense. In April, James denied the ex-governor's request. He says her position is in violation of laws providing protections for Cuomo when the allegations stem from a time when he was acting within the scope of his employment or duties. An unnamed New York State trooper filed a lawsuit earlier this year asking a federal court to find that Cuomo and others violated her civil rights. Cuomo, the once powerful Democrat who earned accolades for his response to the COVID-19 outbreak, resigned one year ago on August 10th following an investigation by the AG's office concluded that he sexually harassed nearly a dozen women and he and AIDS worked to retaliate against at least one of the accusers. James responded to Cuomo's claim that she's abusing her authority regarding his legal defense costs with a statement saying, quote, sexually harassing young women who work for you is not part of anyone's job description. A major milestone has been reached at the long-awaited Imperium 3 New York lithium-ion battery factory in Endicott. Imperium 3 New York has announced it is officially beginning the commercial production activities of USA-made lithium-ion batteries. The factory is located in the Huron campus in Endicott. It's been nearly five years since then-Governor Cuomo visited Endicott to announce the plans for construction of a $140 million gigafactory that would manufacture lithium-ion batteries at the Huron campus. It's been a long time coming, and the path has been fraught with failed ideas, changes in plans, and unforeseen setbacks. But finally, what's been called the worst eyesore in Broome County appears to be closing in on its next chapter as a place for some people to come home and others to shop and work. Syracuse developer Matthew Paulus, who previously transformed the old Ansco Camera Factory building on Emma Street in Binghamton into a complex with 100 apartments and commercial space, says the first residents of apartments being developed at the former Endicott Johnson Shoe Factory Victory Building in Johnson City could move in early next year. A model unit for the Victory Lofts apartment has just been completed in the massive building 
near Leicester Avenue that eventually will have 156 residential units. The city of Binghamton plans to apply for $10 million in New York State funds through the Downtown Revitalization Initiative to improve the Clinton Street Business District, bring in commercial development, and potentially create more affordable housing. The city has released an online survey to collect public comments on the current state and future vision of Clinton Street. Officials say the survey will help planners develop a strategy for the future of the First Ward Business Corridor that maintains those things that people like and begin making plans to add what people would like to see there. The survey is available through August 31st. There also will be a public workshop at the First Ward Senior Center on September 14th at 6 p.m. The five-day WMBF Twin Tiers forecast today, sunshine, a high in the upper 70s, clear skies tonight, good view of the Perseid meteor showers, a low in the upper 40s, sunny tomorrow, high near 80, mostly sunny Sunday, high in the low 80s, and Monday and Tuesday, partly sunny, a 40 to 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms both days, high in the mid to upper 70s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Friday morning. Give us a call at 607-772 if you'd like to talk to the community. By the way, if you don't want to call me, you can certainly send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Hey, go right to the phones. Good morning. Your caller number one. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Hey, what's up, Beverly? Oh, not much. I I want to talk about uh, Trump. I think they'll drop all that. You know, I hope he gets exonerated and then he just leaves. Yeah, I think they will because right now, right now, they're you know they're just they're just no. They're, well, Beverly, why don't they why don't they just take all the money that they were planning to spend on his investigations and then give it to us, like here in Broome County? Say, if they're planning to spend ten million dollars for the investigations of Donald Trump, why not use them for a good purpose, like helping people like you and me in Broome County? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, you know, and then uh, almost that that he's suing New York. Hey, for his illegal. Yeah, that's uh, that's rather audacious. I think I think that's silly because why should we why should we pay for it? Well, he, he contends he contends whatever he was doing was done in service to the state, which begs the question: if he indeed, as some have alleged, if he was engaged in sexual harassment, was that really part of his job? No, but how do we? But how do we know he does it? Well, we don't. 
We just know that there have been accusations made by some women. I don't know what really happened. I would like to be able to believe Andrew Cuomo because, really, up until the last couple of years, he seemed eminently trustworthy. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, too. And if I was young, I saw a, a politician that was di- nice looking and stuff. Sure. Sure, I'm gonna, I'm going to be thinking about a lot of stuff, you know. And I, I mean, how does he know? How do we know that these women weren't thinking about this stuff before they pursued it? Well, who who knows? I I can't really tell you. I know they say right now we're supposed to believe the women. He's an attractive woman, you know, and he and and he's single, and he knows that you know that that people did you know like her, and so he's gonna go, you know. Oh, may I take you out for dinner, or can we go to to, to this concert? Or something like that. So, I mean, a woman should know know these signs. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, my mo- my mother sat me down, and I was about twelve years old, and she told me, hey, "You know what? I didn't I didn't want to go on a date." But I turned 16. Well, you know, it's, it is, it is tough. It's tough for people, no matter what their age, to always behave appropriately. And, you know, what can you say? I mean, pe- first, people are people. People yeah, are. People are people. But I had to act like a girl. I, I had to act like, 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 you know, that, you know, you couldn't walk over me. I was protecting myself the way my mother taught me. I mean, I never had a problem. Sure, guys used to whistle at me when 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 I was younger. Well, there's still no excuse for it. I mean, I I know I know. Talk to them. Right, I know men will be men and women will be women, but you know, and 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 some would say, well, times were different. Well. I guess probably times were different, but still, you know, people people should start treating each other with more respect, and yeah, hey, you know, suppress suppress some of the things that that might first come to mind. Say, all right, um, that really would not be appropriate. I know what I instinctively want to do. But that's not really appropriate in these circumstances. Now, as for what happens uh, involving Governor Cuomo and, and the women who've made the allegations, I don't know. I don't know if anyone will ever know for sure. I mean, unless unless Andrew Cuomo made some actual admissions, he's acknowledged some behavior that made people uncomfortable, but unless he makes some admissions or unless uh, any of the women retract the allegations they've made it, it may just be unresolved for the public you know i could have 
I could have been a model 50 years ago. And uh, everybody's telling me, why don't you go in a modeling? I said, nope, that's not one of my professions. All right. Well, everybody has to choose what's what's best for them. I hope you have a good weekend. You too. It's 1116 at News Radio WNBF. Let's take uh, lots of calls. That's all I can say. I'll take lots of calls as long as I feel like it. Uh, 607-772-1290. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, Vinny calling from Binghamton. What's up? Hey, Bob, I like to talk. I saw the first and only debate last night between Josh Riley and um, Jamie Cheney. That was pretty good. I got to learn more about I'm, – I'm voting for Josh anyways, but uh, I wanted to get uh, learn a little bit more about him, and um, I, I, was, I enjoyed it. It was a little bit – it was more of a, like a conversation. They're too dem- they basically coming the same way. I, I just like Josh because um, – of the experience down there in Washington, which I, I think is, is important. You know, you, you, you gotta know your way down there. And I like that part. And he's, you know, we talked about his experience down there working with um, all these other congressmen and people and stuff like that. But I think the most important thing I like about him is he's not taking any big corporate money, which is what the Democrats and the Republicans have been talking about for years. We've got to get big money out of our elections, totally. And if he's able to get this off, where I think he will be, I think this will be um, a a shining moment for our area. We elected somebody down there that took no big campaign money, so he doesn't owe anybody anything except for the, the people here in our district. And I think that's a breath of fresh air. I really do. I, I, I really do. I think it is a breath of fresh air, and this is what we've always wanted to have anyways. And I hope more candidates are able to do that because that means you're going to have to get out and earn those votes. No mail. You know, the mailing is coming through and big signs that are on the road, which you see. This is what you have to do. You've got to keep your nose to the ground and understand what the people want in the area and get on there and see what you can do. And I think this is a great start. I commend WSKG for televising the debate on their TV station and broadcasting the debate on their radio station and streaming the debate on their uh, streaming platform. Yeah. I, I I very much appreciated it. I thought the um, session was good. I liked the format, conversational. It was sort of what I've aspired to do in the past here on the program when we've had candidates in. I, I strive, although sometimes we might promote them as debates, usually because it's that's the simplest way if you're talking about something that's coming up instead of saying, you know, so we're going to engage in a civil conversation about the issues facing people in New York's redrawn 19th Congressional District. You know, saying shorthand debate, but I, I appreciated that format. I hope in the future that's the format WSKG will use because the the moderators um i think handled it well was conversational i think each candidate had a fair opportunity to uh express their views and they covered quite a bit they covered they covered most of the issues i would have brought up maybe i if i had them in the studio which i'm not going to but if i had uh time i would bring up uh, a few other issues but still i think they got to the 
really key points that uh, Democrats in the 19th district will consider when they vote in the primary. Uh, absolutely. And I love their answer, both of them. I love the answer to when they were asked about Joe Biden and running again. And I think Josh said something to uh, something to, oh, you need to ask Joe Biden. You know, it, no well, and, and that's that's another thing with with the we'll call it a kerfuffle or pseudo controversy that came several days ago from another congressional debate where three candidates were part of the debate and they gave three different answers and and to me, I mean, I understand why it comes up in a discussion with candidates, but still. Um, is it really relevant in the congressional election what somebody in upstate New York or downstate New York, a member of Congress, what they think about uh, the advisability of the president to seek another term? I think in the grand scheme of things, of course, it, it's about as meaningful as asking my opinion. I mean, it's nice for conversation, but I don't, I don't think that it, it really is going to make a difference in terms of how people vote. No, and and I loved what Jamie said. She goes, you know, of all the people that I've gone door to door, talked to, not one has asked me that question. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, and basically, and I understand why it was brought up because, yeah. to tell you the truth, because I'm part of the media, I probably would have brought it up too because it's been in the news lately. But again, you know, to her her point, I and I, I think. Um, uh, Josh Riley concurred uh, with all the issues facing the people in this congressional district, things like um, jobs and the economy, of course, including inflation. Um, in, for some people, many people, um, health-related rights and, and, and foreign policy, all, all those things are far more important than ultimately what Joe Biden decides to do in the end. Um, yeah, Joe Biden will have to discuss this with Dr. Jill Biden and other trusted family uh, members and and friends and maybe members of his administration. If he wants to run again, he will. Personally, after everything he's been through in the last, whatever it's been, 19 months, personally, I would be surprised if he runs again. But, hey, I'm, I'm always surprised by stuff. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, per, you know, okay, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I know, again, nobody asked me, but that doesn't stop me from weighing in. You know, because everyone has an opinion. You have an opinion, too, about President Biden. Some people want him to run again. Some people would like to see him resign right now and have Kamala Harris be president. You know, whatever your opinion, if you want to talk about that. Actually, we could talk about a few other things. Here's something, breaking news now, just so you don't run out of things to worry about. Yes, we still have COVID-19 and, of course, the emerging health risk of monkeypox. But now it's polio. Polio. No, it's not the cheese, not polio. Polio. Health officials now say the polio virus is likely spreading in New York City. Traces have been found in wastewater. Well, isn't that great? They just put out a news release. The New York City Health Commissioner, Dr. Ashwin Vassan, said the risk to New Yorkers is real. But the defense is so simple. Get vaccinated against polio. The virus has also been detected in Orange and Rockland counties north of New York City. 
In recent weeks, one Rockland County man experienced paralysis after catching the first known case of polio in the United States since 2013. So, if you don't want polio, make sure that you are vaccinated. Now, there's no evidence, as far as I know, that the polio virus has been found outside New York City or Orange and Rockland counties in wastewater. On the other hand, have they actually tested our wastewater in Broome County to find out if there's polio virus present? My guess is they haven't started testing yet. So I would recommend that they start testing today and then they can announce the results next week so we know whether polio virus is present in Broome and, oh, why not test in Tioga County too? What the heck? Why should they just test water, wastewater, in New York City and Orange and Rockland counties? Why don't they test wastewater in all 62 counties of New York so we know about the possibility possibility of um, the polio menace? By the way, the source of what I read was on the New York Post website. I just posted that. That story was by Zach Williams with the New York Post. So, health risks. By the way, this is not a comprehensive list. This is just the condensed version of health risks you need to worry about. COVID-19, monkeypox, polio, West Nile virus, Lyme disease, and chronic fatigue syndrome. It's 11.26. <laughs> Sorry. Don't be worried. Life goes on. Hey, do what you can to protect yourself and your family. Don't worry. It's the weekend. It's going to be a nice weekend. The weather's going to be as close to perfect, I believe, in Binghamton. So enjoy the weekend. Put your worries behind you. 607-772-1290. Or fire off an email, bob at wnbf.com. We're live and local on News Radio, WNBF, 1129 from WNBF, serving America from a studio in the Parlor City. Don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing, my 11.30, and we will be taking your calls as they materialize. 607-772-1290. Now, breaking news. 
Salman Rushdie, the author whose writing led to death threats from Iran in the 1980s, was attacked this morning as he was about to give a lecture in western New York. An Associated Press reporter witnessed a man storm the stage at the Chautauqua Institution and begin punching or stabbing Salman Rushdie as he was being introduced. The author was taken or fell to the floor, and the man was restrained. Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses, has been banned in Iran since 1988, as many Muslims consider it to be blasphemous. A year later, Iran's late leader, Ayatollah Rohala Khomeini, issued a fatwa, or edict, calling for the death of Salman Rushdie. A bounty of more than $3 million has also been offered for anyone who kills Rushdie. Iran's government has long since distanced itself from Khomeini's decree, but anti-Rushdie sentiment lingered. Back in 2012, a semi-official Iranian religious foundation raised the bounty for Rushdie from $2.8 million to $3.3 million. At the time, Salman Rushdie dismissed that threat, saying there was no evidence of people being interested in the reward. And that year, Mr. Rushdie published a memoir about the fatwa. So again... The news just coming in now from Western New York at the Chautauqua Institution. The author, Salman Rushdie, was attacked as he was preparing to present a lecture. A reporter from AP, the Associated Press, saw a guy storm the stage and begin punching or stabbing. Salman Rushdie, he was taken... Uh, to, uh, taken or fell to the floor, and the man was restrained. So uh, it's unclear what his condition is. It's 11.32 at News Radio WNBF. We spoke with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner, about the transformation of the Endicott-Johnson Loft Factory, the loft building, also a loft building, the Victory Building, becoming the Victory Lofts. And so, thanks to the developer from Syracuse, Matthew Paulus, I had an opportunity to spend an extended period traipsing throughout the building. Uh, he and a representative of the team that's doing the renovation work for the $40 million project. They spent, I would say, about an hour Thursday afternoon showing me around, and I appreciate the access. That's the first time I've had a chance to tour the building, and certainly so much has happened since the preliminary work began last summer. And we have a very interesting story about this project now on the website WNBF.com, including a glimpse at the model apartment. The apartment looked ready to move into. I'm convinced that the only thing missing was uh, a water hookup. But the, the kitchen area, a living room area, bedroom, storage areas, uh, bathroom, everything appeared to be completed for this model unit, which they'll use to show off to people who might want to lease an apartment in the Victory Lofts building. 
So it looked looked pretty good to me. But again, if if the plumbing wasn't hooked up, that could have posed a problem. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, I was wrapping up for the for the day. Could have said, "Hey, I'll stay here." <laughs> anyway, check out the uh, the pictures, There's the model apartment, the construction work underway. Oh, even a view from the top floor. It's so fascinating. The views are fascinating. If you see. The building, as you're traveling today on Route 17, first be careful, don't get distracted and lose track of, of your driving, but if you can glance or if you're a passenger in a vehicle, take a look over at the building and you see a lot of what they've done. They took out all the old windows or the coverings where windows once were, and then in many of those openings they now have put in new steel frame windows so it's uh, pretty impressive also have uh, a little video clip with the developer matthew paulus embedded in that story at wnbf.com take a look at it it's, it's fascinating to me it's just fascinating and according to uh, the supervisor, he said about 150 people were working at that site as they prepare for a new chapter for that building. I believe the uh, factory opened about 102 years ago. So here we are a century later, and it will have a new life. Matthew Paulus said they want to take occupancy on January 1st. So that's about four and a half months from now. Now, of course, the whole thing, the whole project, I don't believe will be done. They still, of course, will be working, I imagine, on the top floor for what will be commercial space. But still, it's amazing what can be done when you have a plan, a vision, and then are able to put together the necessary financing. I mean, imagine with, say, other EJ buildings. We talked about that West Endicott building that languished for years before it was finally torn down by National Pipe and Plastics. Hey, the guy from the Philadelphia area who wanted to turn that into apartments, you know, he could potentially have done a similar project to what's being done at the Victory Building, but... I don't believe he had the same kind of experience that Matt Paulus has, and I also don't believe he had access to the financing needed to pull off something like that, because clearly these projects are not inexpensive. It's 1137. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on your free. WNBF app. WNBF. Cowbell Radio 1290 with Bob Joseph 607 772 1290. If you would like to talk on this live radio program on a Friday morning. 
back to the phones we go. Georgia in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. I just called to uh, say that my father worked in the Victory uh, Manufacturing for Endicott Johnson for 50 years in that building. And we used to go, well, when we would go pick him up, my mother did, we could go upstairs and see where he worked. I mean, it was quite amazing in those buildings. It really was. It's fabulous that they are reinventing that and making it so people can use it again. It really is. It's interesting. It's actually not one building. It's actually two buildings. That thing is huge. Yes, it is. Yeah, there's um, there's a, a beam, or not a beam, there's something that separates right down the middle because they, uh, I believe they built one side first and then finished the uh, the second half that ultimately became the, the Victory Building. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, I'm very glad. You know, I really, really enjoy Mr. Gardner when you have him on. He's just down to earth or something, and he's another one that I, I enjoy when you have. And Matt Ryan. Yes, another one. <laughs> well, the problem with Matt Ryan is it's hard to really figure where he stands on any given issue. I mean, it's so hard to get him to, you know, if you have a question about do you have an opinion on something, well, I don't really, I don't want to go out there on a limb. So I wish he would just uh, be a little more uh, to the point and more direct in the future. Yeah. Of course I'm kidding. <laughs> When you went to the building, well, I'm going to look online so I can see the picture, but um, did you go all up all through all the room or up floors? or? Yeah, I was on every floor from, the bo- really? from floor one to the sixth floor, and then I did something very few men have ever done. I went up yeah. on the roof of the Victory Building, so I got pictures oh up on the roof, and you'll see okay. more of those pictures um, next week on our website. I, I didn't think it was appropriate yet the story i did uh thursday afternoon was more of an update on the project but if if you really want to see the building inside and out from all angles from the first floor all the way to the roof including some spectacular views uh, we will be posting that on the website next week oh nice yes oh well, I when uh, you were talking about it this morning, and I thought I'm going to just call in. Yeah, my dad, fifty years he worked there, and I had uncles that worked there in the box toe. I can't remember the other two. They were two or and over there, but EJ's was quite the place to work. I'll tell you when you know, just like IBM. Well, anyways. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for calling it. Yeah, thanks for reminiscing. Yeah, you too. Have a good day. Thank you so much. 1144 WNBF, WNBF.com. Yeah, that's what I love to do. I've been fortunate over the last few years to be in several historic buildings and really from the very bottom all the way to the top. Uh, the Masonic Temple on Main Street in Binghamton, going into the sub-basements where very few people ever had ventured, to the roof. And again, I put too fine a point on it. I'm, I'm there sitting up at the peak of the roof, straddling the roof at the top, looking at the high school to the east and looking at our uh, stick, I mean the WNBF Tower, to the south, and then looking toward 
uh, Johnson City to the west and then up toward the highway to the north, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I have a fear of heights, and here I am up on the roof right straddling the, the peak there on the Masonic Temple. But, hey, you gotta you got to do what you got to do. The pictures aren't going to take themselves. Uh, the other thing that I also enjoyed was going through the entire First National Bank building. That's the one at 95 Court Street near the roundabout. And going down in there, down to the bottom, the basement, where the security or the safe deposit boxes were located, and they had little viewing rooms. They're still there where people used to view all their personal, most valuable possessions that they stored in the safe deposit boxes, those little private viewing rooms are still, still there in the basement. And I got pictures. And then going through that entire building, every floor, and then going up to the roof of that. And then standing on the roof there at the the edge, they have like a little area where you could set up chairs like if you had offices there if it was still open you could on a nice day like today you could set up a, a chairs and small table and have lunch yes those are fun things it's one of the one of the things that i enjoy doing as part of a journalist here in my hometown of Binghamton. It's eleven forty-seven on your friday morning this is wnbf and wnbf.com for WNBF, the fun radio station. I got a plan for us. I bet you didn't know that I was dangerous. <laughs> We're kidding. We're kidding. Not dangerous at all. It's um, safe. Everything is safe. At WNBF, still trying to figure out precisely what transpired a short time ago. In western New York with an attack on the author Salman Rushdie. Video is just coming in of uh, a man lunging for, uh, towards Salman Rushdie. I don't know at this point. I can't tell based on uh, some of the preliminary reports that uh, have just started coming in from AP and from some other news outlets. I can't really discern. Okay, well, now, now, according to one report, this is uh, New York Post, it says he was stabbed. He was stabbed. Uh, it says uh, this story on the New York Post website by Evan 
Simcoe Bednarski says the author Salman Rushdie was attacked at the literary event at the Chautauqua Institution in Chautauqua, New York. That's about 75 miles south of Buffalo. Um, although the headline says he was stabbed, the story says the man proceeded to punch or stab Rushdie, and his condition wasn't known. So apparently apparently the headline writer uh, got out a little bit ahead of... Uh, the exact details, but uh, at any rate, we'll be monitoring that. I'm sure this afternoon there will be some more details about exactly what happened. As we mentioned before, some people in recent decades have not been happy with Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses. In fact, that had been banned since 1988 in Iran because many Muslims consider it to be blasphemous. It's 11.54 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. It's been a... Thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be Something good has begun Oh, I've been smiling lately Dreaming about the world at one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Cause out on the edge of darkness There I WNBF and WNBF.com. It's been a very intriguing and interesting Friday morning. My thanks to all who called as well as all who emailed. We appreciate your contributions and your interaction with uh, the program. It is interactive and it happens in real time. That's why we report on breaking news, including that shocking attack on the author Salman Rushdie in western New York. More details will be coming up next from ABC News right here on News Radio WNBF. Mission accomplished today and every day this week. Of course, our mission is never quite complete. We continue. Every day from 9 to noon right here, asking a few questions, taking a few calls, and always learning something along the way. I'm Bob Joseph. I trust you'll have an enjoyable and relaxing weekend. I'll be back Monday morning. Until then, take care. You're listening to WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.